Hello, welcome to what is probably the last Garibaldi Red of the year as we reflect on Nottingham Forest's 2-0 defeat to Middlesbrough, a game a, a result sorry, which leaves them ninth, two points off the playoffs uh, ahead of a game against Huddersfield on Saturday. And to discuss all that and some transfer news, we're joined first of all by our Reds reporter, Sarah Clapson. Hello, Sarah, are you well? Yes, very well, thank you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, Merry Christmas to you. Unfortunately, you had to go to Middlesbrough yesterday. But <laughs> in much more depth and our second guest today is Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, are you well and did you have a good Christmas? Morning Matt, all good for me. Furthest north I got was Raven's head so can't complain. <laughs> good, 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 good. Well you and I and obviously Sarah did watch the game at Middlesbrough. Sarah why don't we start with you? Um, bit of a disaster I guess overall. Forrest are allowed a bit of a disaster given how they've been playing but, but what did you make of it? Yes, I think that's that's probably about it, really. Um, they were poor. They were nothing like the forest that they have been in, in recent weeks. Nothing like the, the forest of, of Steve Cooper, really. Um, just looked very off the pace. All the, the nice passing moves that they've been showing recently didn't really happen. They never quite got got to grips with the game. First half, they were really below par. Um, I thought the second half, they, they did improve a bit. They had a, a decent spell, had a couple of chances. If Philip Zinkenagel had have scored that that one, I think it would have been completely different. But he didn't. Joe Worrell missed a header soon after, and then Middlesbrough dealt the sucker punch by scoring when Forest were when the in the ascendancy really, um, and that kind of set them back a little bit. But I think the own goal early on probably set the tone, and it, it just yeah never really happened from there. But an off day, a one off, hopefully, and um, yeah, I think that they're probably allowed that given that they've been in such good form lately. What did you make of it, Tess? Before the game, you said you'd take a draw gladly. You didn't even um, manage that, although it was a, a difficult opponent. Middlesbrough looked very good. But what are, you, what are your overall thoughts before we get into it properly? I'd echo Sarah's thoughts. I mean, clearly we were off the pace. Um, but to, to move that debate on a bit, I think we're entitled to be for a game um, off the back of the run that we've we've just just had. So we're looking at Forest through a, a different lens now. But that was a routine result four months ago. And now we're sitting here really angry that we've lost 2-0 on the road against a, a good Middlesbrough side, rejuvenated um, under Wilder, who looked like a, a potent threat. So I think the best team won yesterday. Plenty of ifs, but some maybes with the um, chances that we missed. Um, but, but no complaints, really. We've just got to get back on the horse and uh, on to the next one. Uh, we're live on YouTube and Facebook as normal. So if anyone's got any questions or comments, drop them in and we'll take them as we go along. Although obviously we've got lots of uh, stuff to discuss ourselves. What went wrong in the first half, Sarah, do you think? I mean, individually and collectively, they seem they seem well off it. But when you had the perspective of being in the grounds, what went wrong specifically for Forrest? Um, I think that they just never really got going. Um I think they looked better in the second half when they, they did switch to a, a back four. I think in the first half when there was a, a three, um, the wing-backs didn't really get forward as much as they would normally do. And I know that's partly because of the change in, in um, team selection. Obviously, they were really short of options yesterday. Um, and that didn't give Forrest the same kind of threat that they normally have. Um, they didn't press in the same way that they normally do. They just never really... Middlesbrough caused them so many problems and they just looked so wobbly at the back. They just looked really um, defensively troubled by it. Um, and it, it was difficult then for them to get to grips with it and, and to start to try and impose themselves on things. Like I said, I think after the break, when they switched to four at the back, they did do that. Um, 
and then once they got back into it, Middlesbrough then went and killed the game off. And um, yeah, that was that really. They did have a couple of chances towards the end, but you never really felt like it was going to be a repeat of Bristol City where they managed to scrape something by uh, grabbing a couple of goals. It was it was just one of those afternoons, I think. Yeah, the wing-backs, when they've been playing well, Temps, the wing-backs get right on the pitch, didn't they? And obviously, Forrest, they, they were really pinned back, the two lads. I mean, Finback's got a very bright future, but it, it wasn't his day. He had a bit of a nightmare, 10-minute spell. And like Sarah said, the midfield pressing just seemed to disappear, didn't it, in the first half? Yeah, I mean, with that shame, the Forest play, the wing-backs are so essential and you have to have the right profile of player playing there. And I think we have that in Jed Spence and, and Max Lowe. When they're not available, Colback's plugging in because you have to find a way to get him in that side. And like you say, I don't want to I don't want to uh, attack Finn back because he's been asked to do a job in the absence of others. But he's a right-back who's probably learning that system now as it's being played through the other... And the under-23s and the other teams throughout the um, the Forest um, setup, but he, he did look exposed. But I think being put into uh, a top-end championship team, albeit having impressed in the in the League Cup, is going to be a, a huge step up. And with that in mind, he looked quite limited. He was playing as like uh, almost in a containing role. He didn't have the um, the the experience, the the pace, the quality to um, pose any kind of potent attacking threat and the flip side of that is Jones and Taylor very experienced playing that position for Middlesbrough um, look to exploit it they both had a a lot of um, joy in the first half in particular before we changed the system but what we saw Middlesbrough do yesterday was what we've been doing to other teams they, they bullied us using that using that um, those those two channels down the left and right hand side uh, we've been using those channels to, to launch our attacks and all of a sudden, the ball's you know distributed in, in a different way. We didn't have quite the um, same um, pattern of play. Um, Warrell and McKenna have been getting on the ball you know less and less in recent weeks. Yates has been dropping in to, to try and um, distribute and use those wide boys. So, yeah, I think that was um, the start of the downfall, kind of plugging in those two players into a system that had been working, um, but them not having quite the same effect on the game um, that we've seen from Jed Spence in particular. I suppose, Sarah, Spence has been so integral. And I think the instinct was he was definitely going to be recalled initially in January when Wilder came in. That was kind of the, the vibes you were getting from up north. But Jones looked so good for Middlesbrough. I mean, does that give hope that maybe Forrest can negotiate a way that maybe they slip Middlesbrough a few quid, you know, to say we'll keep him till the end of the season now? Well, what do you think is going to happen there? <laughs> yeah, I think that... that um performance from from um, Jones and the result yesterday probably did Forrester a little bit of a favour in that sense but uh, it's so difficult to predict what's going to happen with um, with Spence but yesterday just underlined really how important he is um, he he was sorely missed and again without kind of not wanting to lay any blame on, on Finn Back or anything like that or, or any kind of disrespect towards him but um, Spence was yeah hugely missed yesterday and he's such an important player he's just been so consistent really this season um, been near enough and ever present just offers so much um, defense I mean defensively I think some he, he does have areas he needs to improve on but going forward he's just brilliant he's got so much pace and attacking threat and he, he can put crosses in and um, yeah he just offers a a lot I think for Forrest and trying to find a replacement for him if he does get recalled would be really difficult. Uh, let's talk about the first goal then, because it was so pivotal. I mean, Forrest hadn't started 
great. They hadn't started particularly badly, but they absolutely went to hell after they did concede that goal. What was your take on it, Temps? I mean, is is the blame 100% at Yates, or do you give a little bit to Samba for... <laughs> I'll come to Sarah first. <laughs> nice, well, Yates, he wanted the ball. So you, you watch, that, watch that clip back. He absolutely wants the ball to feet. He has the chance to, to play it first time to McKenna at left back in acres of space. He has a kind of half-missed touch. Um, and before he knows it, he's reverting to his keeper. He's not stood where he wants him to be. I attach the blame for that goal um, to Ryan Yates. But it's a freak occurrence. It's not symptomatic of him being a bad player or him having lost form. It's the kind of thing that happens in, in football. Back in the day, it would have ended up on a Nick Hancock DVD at Christmas. Um, he'll play 200 more matches for Forest. That will never happen again. Freak occurrence, but could have been so easily avoided if he just played that first time past the left back. Yeah, Sarah, you go along with that. Yeah, I, I would agree. He just didn't look. He just played the ball without looking. And I think that's a, a fatal error, really, when you're passing it back to your goalkeeper. And um, yeah, it, it was just horrible to watch. And you could see as the ball went in, he knew what was going to happen. He knew he'd made a mistake and he, he just couldn't look. And then he had his head in his hands afterwards. And I think he knew that he'd, he'd slipped up there. Um yeah, it's, some, it's a shame because he has been in such good form recently and he, he's just been transformed under Steve Cooper. But it's hopefully a one-off and I'm sure he'll hopefully put it to the back of his mind and move on from it. I think it did play on his mind a little bit afterwards. You could see he just he, he didn't quite regain his, any kind of composure and he wasn't the same as he, he has been in recent weeks. But um, yeah, he needs to put it to bed now and um, and move on from it. Yeah, I agree with all that. Definitely his fault, but he's been playing very well, so we'll let him have that one. Um, brings us to kind of half-time and trying to change the game. I thought Ajada was probably the change to get an extra man in midfield and maybe you take Figueredo off or you take back off and put someone else to the right shift, uh, makeshift right back, should I say. He went with um, Carvalho, so which brings us to the inevitable Carvalho discussion. This is where the pro- comments section probably comes to life. What do you make of Carvalho temps? Because he's never put in a position to succeed in the perfect scenario. But then a player actually has to get a grip of the game when they're given an opportunity. And once again, I don't think he did it, did he? No, he didn't. Look, he's a he's a luxury player, isn't he? And we've said this before. So if Carvalho is going to be in your team, uh, and Zinkanagel is the same to a lesser extent, you've got to accept they're going to make mistakes. Occasionally, they're going to be a bit wasteful in possession because they're going to they're going to try things to unlock defenses. I think as, as things stand at the minute, Zinc and Agul is far more likely to come off than Carvalho. Sorry, his, um, his efforts to impact the game are far more likely to come off than Carvalho, who looks a little bit lost. He's scrapping for minutes. Um, he's not starting games. And when he gets the chance to make an impact, he feels the need to impress. And he, he just seems starved of the ball to me. I think yesterday is again, I, I can't pinpoint too many things he did, he did wrong. Uh, but the system doesn't deliver him the ball, he, the, the the possession he needs, and the areas of the the pitch where he, he can affect it. So unfortunately for me, I think he's fallen down the pecking order. He seemed destined to fall further, and I don't think it'll be too long before when Cooper looks to the bench in need of making a change, um, he looks to his left or his right. Yes, your youngest sounds as frustrated as some of the fans were. Yes, <laughs> I think he is. I think he wants he wants his nap, which is probably how I felt at half time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about Carvalho's situation, Sarah? I mean, there's only so many lives you have. We're coming up to January. It's going to be difficult to move on because there's the, the 
well, I don't know what money he's on, but Forrest have to pay this annual fee for him. Will there be any takers for him? What do you think the kind of the lay of the land is with Carvalho now? Yeah, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? When you've got players that aren't playing, um, they're not in the shop window and, and teams aren't going to um, pay out the kind of money that you'd perhaps like. Um, it's difficult for him. I think it, yesterday wasn't the kind of game where you, it didn't play to his strengths. It was difficult for him to come on and make any kind of impact because nobody did in a forest shirt, really. Um, it, it wasn't really suited for for him. Um he does well when he has a bit of freedom and he, he can express himself a bit more and, and maybe the pressure's off a little bit when when he just has the opportunity to um to roam a little bit and, and try and you know make something happen and then sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't um it's that inconsistency isn't it and that's kind of been a frustration really for his whole time at, at forest um there's no doubt he's got loads of talent and he's got ability it's just getting it out of him and, and getting him to show it more often. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Steve Cooper's um, assessment is. Um, he, he was very coy about him again, as he always has been whenever he's been asked. Um, but it's difficult to see how he can work his way into the first team. He's got players ahead of him. Um, and when he gets his opportunities, he hasn't really taken them so far. Um when you're somebody who's coming on as a substitute, you need to be able to make an impact. You need to be a game changer. You need to be able to turn the um, the tide of a of a match and make something happen. And I, he hasn't really done that in the, the the chances that he's had so far this season. Um, and, and that's difficult for him. I think he's better if he gets a run of games and he he has more of an opportunity. But to do that, you need to show something in the first place. You need to move yourself up the up the pecking order and then um, yeah put yourself into the manager's thinking and he's not really done that so far no he seems to need this kind of very narrow set of parameters where he can succeed like you were saying there Sarah he needs freedom to roam he needs a chance to influence a game and you're not going to get that in the championship are you temps it's a bit of a catch-22 with Carvalho now isn't it yeah and then watch him in that league cup game against Bradford City where he looked like an absolute wizard and that's the that's the difference, isn't it? And he, if he can operate in a pocket of space where he's not going to get clattered, then he'll look like a king. But if he's being hounded and coming on two 0 down to try and change a game, it's not going to work for him. And I think ultimately his time at Forest is destined to be bitterly disappointing, which is a shame because when he first arrived, we were all extremely excited. I think fans are still with him. Fans have stuck with him um, regardless of the indifference of a, a series of managers have shown so yeah like i'm i'm a, a, a very frustrated as, as many are with um carvalho and who knows what's going on behind the scenes but if you want to trade in january people are going to have to leave and i don't think there'd be too many tears cried for him the other pivotal moment of the of the game in a sense sarah was zinkenagel's miss um which would have made it 1-1 and got forest out of jail massively what do you make of the miss? And what do you make of Zinkenagel in general? He's like Temps has said, there's a bit of car value about him mm. in terms of talent and in terms of frustration, isn't there? But he's he's had a lot more end product this season. Yes, he's had a, a more of an impact than Carvalho has had. Um, I, I, is, he is similar in the sense that sometimes he can drift out of games and you think, is, is he actually on the pitch? Has he actually touched the ball yet? Um, but then he, he has the ability to pop up and, and do something, get a goal, weigh in with an assist, make something happen. Um, a, a bit like you want 
Carvalho to do. But um, yeah, Zinconegua has, has shown that. The miss was horrible. I, I still don't know how he did it, but he had that really poor touch in the first half as well, where he was played in by grabbing. He didn't quite get the ball right. And then it, it was pinched from him um, and the moment passed, really. And I think he he, he was really off the pace yesterday. Um, he just didn't quite get into the game and he just looked, he didn't look like himself. And um, he is a, a really good player. I do really like him. I think he's got a bit of class about him and he, he's... Um, He's great to watch when he's on form. He can make such a difference. But again, and it, it's typical really of championship players that it's finding consistency. And, and that's why you're you're at that level. Um, if, if you're doing it week in, week out, you wouldn't be playing for a championship club. You'd be in the Premier League. Um, and it, that it's just trying to get more out of him, um, get him playing at those kind of levels more often. Um, but I do really like him. I think he can have a, a, a big impact in the second half of the season and, and still be a key player. Let's continue the theme of talented but frustrating and move on to Zande Silva, who wasn't particularly frustrating yesterday. He was, he was pretty good, to be fair, but we haven't seen much of him. What do you make of him, Temps? Is he is he worth a start uh, in the next game or is that game very much carried away? Well, if he hadn't clattered the post yesterday and snuck that one in off the off the pullback, then my view might be um, slightly different. But, you know, for me, with goal scorers, seeing his believing, I don't think he's ever... Um, been anything like prolific enough to be considered the answer um, in the championship. So, no, he's not the answer for me. I know there's been some speculation that he might be on his way, Greece, a potential um, destination. But again, I I, I don't think he is the answer. And I think Forrest would back themselves with the infrastructure now that they have to identify um, talent and to recruit players. They'd fancy their chances, throwing the dice, shipping him out, getting one in, rather than um, investing time and effort in, in Xander Silva. I don't, I don't think he's the answer. I read your piece, Sarah, on Silva this morning with the comments on from the manager, which I'll, I'll post in the links after. I mean, I think the question was, is he going to is he going to Greece? And the answer was, that's a question for the CEO, <laughs> which often to me means yes. He didn't really address it mm. properly. What do you think is happening there? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think it would be any surprise if he, he does depart in January. Um, it, and it will end up being one of those strange signings where in a few years' time we'll look back and think what happened there. Um, it was always a, 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 it looked a strange one at the time and it's not really come off. Um, I still don't know really what his best position is. I know that sometimes can be a, a good thing, having that flexibility and, and being able to play in a few different roles, but. Um, I know we've not seen much of him, so it's difficult to say, but I don't see how he fits in. Um, he's not going to get the goals that Forrest need. Uh, he's not quite got the um, quality that they need to to unlock defences. And I don't think it would be too much. Um, I don't think it would be too much of a surprise if he goes in January. And I don't think it would be a great loss hugely. Um, I think there's other players that Forrest can look at to bring in and, and help in that attacking sense. I think he's a left winger. I think I, I think he last yesterday was his best position. I mean, like the facts, <laughs> the facts were saying we think probably kind of says a bit. But it, one of the things it does show, I guess, is the squad's not stretched, but it does show that if you take out a couple of key players, there's a bit of a gulf, isn't there? It shows the importance of of January. What, what's the initial inkling, Sarah, about what how how busy they will be in January? I know you spoke to the chairman at that um, our club, our city event recently is it our shirt our city you'll have to remind me what it's called but you spoke to the chairman anyway 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's January is crucial. It, it's such a huge window. I know we say we seem to say that every year, but um, it, if they get it right, it can make a huge difference for Forest this time. Um, given how close they are to the, the top six and how much of a difference getting a few key players in and not losing any as well, um, how important that can be. Um, yeah, it, it's such an important window. I don't think we're going to see anything like 13, 15 signings brought in like we have in the past and, and mass deadline day panic buys. Um, Forrester have moved on from that. They are a little bit, well, a little bit. They are more organised now in that sense. They do have a, a greater... Um, a greater sense of what's needed they they do have more perspective and they they do have day murphy and i think he's made a big difference since he's come in we saw that in the summer with some of the the signings that they've made and he, he's got a clear strategy and a clear vision um and steve cooper is very much aligned with that they want younger players and they want players that they can develop there is some exceptions to that they that, you know they know they need experience as well um but generally they want a youthful squad they don't want a big squad. Again, that was a point that, that was so key in the summer. They wanted to reduce numbers. Um, so we're not going to see a suddenly bloated dressing room at the end of January. Forest aren't going to stockpile players just to um, have them there in case or, or just for the sake of it. They're hopefully going to be quite wise and careful about the decisions that they make. And, and that's a good thing. Um, doesn't always come off. There's no guarantees, but... Um, yeah, at least there's a vision there and a strategy. And I think that's something that Forest haven't had in the past. And going further forward, longer term, that can hopefully um, bear fruit and, and have a, a greater effect. What are the top priorities for you now, Temps? Having seen yesterday, and obviously not getting overly alarmed by it and everything, but it, does it change the picture at all for what you think Forest might need? I think a couple of weeks ago, I, my priorities would have been retain. Um, Spence, Johnson, Morrell, obviously the risk of the recall and the two most saleable assets. I think that the kind of noises coming out of the club are that retaining Johnson and Worrell um, is, is on the cards. Don't We're not necessarily having to, to sell. Um, they will have to offload one or two fringe players, such as the ones we've discussed earlier. Don't mind that at all. And then I would like to see the prioritisation of a striker because I don't think Lyle Taylor's the answer or um, suitable backup should, should grab an um, suffer an injury. The contract situation with Graben is still up in the air. So now's the time to do that. I think the encouraging thing is that if Forrest had been lower end of mid-table or just kind of cruising to a mid-table finish, um, the board and Dane may have taken a view. This is a chance to have a bit of a, you know, an FFP season, make some cash, keep the, uh, keep the wage bill manageable and have a go next year. Where they find themselves now is it's worth buying a raffle ticket. It's worth trading two or three players, investing some cash now um, with a, a significantly improved chance of fighting for a playoff play. So that that encourages me. I think to echo Sarah's point, um, the organisation and the faith in the people at the top of the club is stronger than ever. Uh, Nick Randall, very level thinker. Dane Murphy, very level thinker. Steve Cooper, super impressive. I like his media strategy. He, he hasn't bagged anyone at all. He's super positive about all the players, refusing to get... Um, drawn on transfer speculation, which might frustrate you guys, but I like it. I think it shows his his credibility as a as a manager. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about the window, and I think we'll come out of it in a better place than we find ourselves now. But that Jed Spence thing is is also crucial. 
Yeah, it could be a long month for you, Sarah, when you ask about player X and player <laughs> Y and get the, get the same answer every time. Um, let's talk about a few specific names and probably uh, start with Brennan Johnson then. I mean, it sounds like his dad's saying he's not for sale and he's obviously all the noises are. He's very happy at Forest. I guess it would take something astronomical for Forest to part with him this month, wouldn't it? Really silly money now. Yeah, I think so. Um, and they can they can do that. Um, the one thing I, I think they do need to sort out again, we've seen it with a few players, is his contract situation. The sooner they get him tied down to a, a new deal, the better, really, because then you're always without that. You're always leaving yourself open to somebody coming in and and putting a lot of money on the table. And the more clubs do that, the harder sometimes it can become to turn it down. He does seem to be really happy here. He does seem to be enjoying his football and enjoying playing under Steve Cooper. He's getting game time, um, which wouldn't necessarily be the case if he moved on to a Premier League club. And I think that's so important when you're a young player and you're still developing, you're still getting... It's his first season in the Championship, really. Um, you're still getting used to to that kind of level. Um, playing week, week in, week out is crucial. And I think Brennan Johnson seems to, to grasp that. Um, but if somebody turns up with a lot of money, if you're Forrest, that can sometimes be difficult to, to turn down. Um, I'd like to think that come the end of the window, they will still have Johnson and Worrell in place. Um, I think that would that would be huge if they do. We saw it in the summer as well. It, it was it was great that they ended that window with them, them both still there. Um, and hopefully it's the same again in January because they're such key players. And to lose either of them, would be would leave a huge hole, um, particularly where Forest are and how close they are to breaking into the playoff positions. Keep those two, um, and you've got you know there's a, a really good basis of a squad there. Um, it's just about adding more key elements around that and creating that strength in depth that that Forest don't particularly have at the moment. I suppose the fullback situation has the propensity to be an absolute nightmare with um, Spence potentially going. Max Lowe hopefully will be back quite early in January. Then there's Georgie Osei Tutu. Do you have to send him back now, Temps? I mean, he's obviously a good player, but he seems like he's just not, not up to the physical demands. I mean, saying that, he'll probably play 50 games a year for the next 10 years now. But do you have to send him back to Arsenal at this stage if you're Forrest? It looks like it, doesn't it? I'm not privy to the financial detail of that arrangement, but... Um, yeah, clearly Forrest don't want someone just sat around on the on the physio bed. They want him in the side and and competing. So I, I do think he probably will um, go back to to Arsenal. And look, some deals will be lined up. You know, we we don't know what what a business has been uh, talked about behind closed doors. What's already primed um, and, and and ready to go. But yeah, unfortunately, I I do think we'll lose Jose too too. And then we're back to where, where we were um, a few weeks ago. That that kind of. Uh, first eleven that we all really rate, but then just uh, quite a distinct lack of depth um, just in behind that. Just on the Brennan Johnson point, um, I think you're right, Sarah. Him signing a contract would be great for all parties. It gives him the money he deserves right now. Um, it gives Forrest the certainty of a, a significant fee if and when the time does come for him to move on. And I kind of hold Matty Cash as the, the best example of this. He waited for the right time to make his move, joined a mid-table Premiership club, and now he's, he's really flourishing. His international career has, has kicked on uh, and off we go. But there's, there's plenty of um, cautionary tales out there like you know, Ollie Burke or one or two others who just left too soon for the wrong move. 
um, and ended, ended up becoming frustrated either with the level they were playing or the situation they found themselves in, in in various squads. But we can go back to, you know, Jenis, Dawson. They all signed long-term contracts. It didn't stop them achieving their ambition. It just worked for all parties at the, at the given time. And when the irresistible offer came, um, ultimately they, they went on and thrived and achieved their potential. And, you know, I, I know Brennan Johnson isn't going to be at Forest in four or five years' time, I think, in my heart of hearts. But I think he's got a massive role to play this season and next in getting Forest to where we all think they should be. Um, and next as well. Do you think he'll be next season, Sarah? All temps? I do. Yeah, look, I think the, the, scenario, the scenario, my plan... My, Your plan. <laughs> he, signs, he signs a five-year contract. He earns the money he wants to earn. He spends the next 18 months as a 90-minute footballer in the Championship or otherwise for Nottingham Forest. And then with, I don't know, 150 league games behind him, if we're not in a position to give him Premier League football, he probably moves on. I think that works for, for everybody. At that point, his salary increases exponentially. He goes to the team that wants him. He's just that little bit more, more proven. I suppose the big question for him is, and his camp is, if he was at a Premiership club next season, would he be starting week in, week out? Or would it get to January and he gets, he gets loaned back to the Championship? So... Yeah, for me, I think that another 18 months is, a, is an absolute guaranteed starter at Forest with the right thing for him to do. On the proviso that he signed his contract, he's earning his money, and there's a gentleman's agreement that in 18 months' time, he can go if the, if, if the bid is the right one. Well, that's a beautiful scenario, and I hope it comes true. Or I hope he is here for four or five years, and we're an established Premier League club. Um, but to get there, they're going to need to actually get promoted, and they're not going to get promoted without the kind of players they need left back then Sarah I mean they've got hopefully they have low mm-hmm. um if I say two two goes back do you think they'll go in for anyone else I mean, we had the kind of the Loris Benito story the Swiss left back on trial that seems gone quiet and now there's talk of Lee Buchanan again which would make sense do you think that might be an avenue of business in January or not yeah I think that one, that one probably does make a lot of sense um I, I do think they need some cover um ideally you want somebody who can play left or right I think who has that that kind of flexibility to cover in, in both positions because they are short um Osaitutu, I think I would agree with um, with temps I think it, it's probably right that they terminate that loan early and free up a space for somebody else um use the money to to bring in other players and um yeah find a, a, a different kind of solution P- particularly I mean it, two months is a fairly long time to be laid off for and you're getting towards the end of the season then so I think they need to find some cover um before that low hopefully will be back fairly soon um and he's been great I've been really pleased um, really impressed with him um but Buchanan I think would make a a decent addition you can exploit Derby's position a little bit um, I'm not sure they'll be in a position to to say no albeit they have done um, previously but um, everything that's happened since I think they'll um, yeah it's probably a, a situation that if you're Forest you look at and think well we can um, can do a bit of business there and um, yeah try and get something done I'd really enjoy that Buchanan signing. Sorry to jump on that one Sarah but I just, <laughs> no, I just think for for, our, for, the, for the morale of the club for um yeah, look, I don't, I don't want Derby to go under. But wouldn't it be nice just to let them pay the milk bill for a few weeks while we hoover up their best player for <laughs> somewhere between one and two million quid? What a Christmas they've had. The, the guy who did his talking on Twitter's pulled out, and now I see they're being linked with one of these crypto people. John Terry's hawking 
uh, NFT chimp icons on Twitter. I don't know about what cryptocurrency is, but it all sounds very dodgy, certainly. Um, but what about one thing on Derby? This is very off on a side. People who do their business on Twitter, as we know with Fawaz, they don't make good football owners, do they, Sarah, or Temps? I'll let you both have that. Uh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I think if you were um, trying to hold up an example of how not to do your business, then, um, yeah, Fawaz has probably set the tone and um, it's it's not got any better for anybody that follows suit since. No, true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've we've all worked in sport for a long time. And I think we all know that there's times you just got to keep your head down and it's not um, in anyone's interest to um, curate some kind of habit of responding to every tweet, every bit of negativity, every bit of um, speculation. You know, Alan Hardy's a cautionary tale there. You know, fun, <laughs> fundamentally, where you, you go know. with this. Well, I was going to say, like, a fellow that got in for, for the right reason, saved the club, um, put a lot of his his own money in there, and then it ended how it how it ended. So yeah, look, plenty of cautionary tales um, out there. Um, look, I, I do hope Derby get um, taken over. They're going to be in League One for a few years anyway, so it won't it won't bother us um, too much. But look, we'd we'd lose a lot if we lost that rivalry. Um, and let's hope it's one that we can come out on top of for a, for a good few years now. <laughs> Yeah, let's not go into how it ended for Alan Hardy uh, and say no more about that. Uh, last thing on transfers, I guess, is strikers. Forrester Keane on the Arsenal striker, Florian Balogun, I think is how you would say it. And probably a Premier League loan seems the most likely avenue, Sarah, in January. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, I think ideally it's a route that they're keen not to, to go down so much in the future. I know Steve Keeper has said several times that ideally he doesn't want to rely on loan signings, but nobody lives in an ideal world. Um, the reality is that if you're a championship club, you do have to use that system um, and it's important you use it well. It looks like that's kind of the, the route they'll go down in terms of looking um, at a striker. I think if you're looking longer term um, and looking for a successor for Lewis Grubb, and that's probably something they'll try to address in the summer, um, but in the meantime, they need to bring somebody in that can help out and share the burden and get goals. Um, Lewis Graben has been in great form. I think he's played as as good as he has done really for Forrest so far this season. Whether that's partly to do with trying to earn a new contract, I'm sure that's maybe trying to um, yeah, help his negotiations a little bit. But either way, he's been brilliant, but he needs help. Um, Lyle Taylor hasn't really been able to, to offer the kind of support that he needs. He's not got the goals or, or the extent of goals that um, you'd hope he would get. Um, and it, it, Forrest need a striker. I think we've said it for a long time now. They need extra support. They need somebody else who can come in and make a difference. And a young, hungry player from a Premier League club, um, hopefully that can that can help and that they, they yeah, can make a big difference. I guess it's got to be a loan, hasn't it, Temps? Like Sarah says, the January window is not for permanent signings unless you're going really, really big or you're getting someone no one else wants, I suppose, aren't you? Yeah, we've seen it in the past, haven't we? Like Dwight Gale's name gets mentioned every now and again. But if you're going to sign a proven championship-level goal scorer for, you know, it's real cash. Um, and I, I think our, our money is best spent in the, in the low market because, barring injury, suspension or something unforeseen, Grabbin's the man. You know, he can score another 10 goals between now and the end of the season. So I think what, what we're both calling for is credible backup to keep him on his toes, keep him at his best. Because if he's on the bench and some 
you know, a young, promising, hungry player um, is, is into that side. I think that, they, you know, at a push, they're going to score five and six goals. And they haven't got the nous, the presence, the kind of leadership, the the, the off-field contribution that, that Graben has. So I think what we're looking for is quality backup rather than looking to spend, you know, seven, even eight figures on a, on a, on a 20-goal man at this point. Let's wait for the summer and see what's out there. True, true. Um, there's still one more game to go this year before the window opens against Huddersfield at home on uh, the 30th. I don't even know what day of the week that is, so I'm just going to say Thursday. the 30th. Thursday? There you mm. go. You're ahead of me because I don't know what day it is today. What day is it today? Monday. Thank you. It's Monday. Uh, <laughs> it's that time of year. So, Forest v Huddersfield. Huddersfield overtook Forest and are now in the playoff places, so it's not going to be an easy one. Are you making any changes, Sarah, or going with the same sort of eleven? Uh, well, I'll bring Jed Spence in. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't think they'll make too many other changes apart from that. Um, I think it's probably going to be Jack Colback in that left wing back, left back position again because there aren't really too many other options. Um, Gaten Bong's there, but I think he's somebody that that Steve Cooper seems seems to see as more of a. He's there, but perhaps not going to get into the the starting eleven um, on a regular basis. Um, I don't think I'd make take too many other changes apart from that. Really, um, I think I, I'd stick with a, a similar team, but maybe mix up the formation a little bit. I, um, yeah, I, I don't think I would. I mean, there's not too many other options. I think that's that's probably telling about where they are at the moment in terms of injuries and. Um, and not having players available, I don't think there's there's a great deal of room for manoeuvre. So the first choice eleven sort of picks itself in a way. Um, it's just getting the best out of them. I don't think we'll see a similar performance. I think Forest will be completely different against Huddersfield. I think they'll be back to the kind of Forest that we know. I'd like to think that Boxing Day was just a, a bad day and a one-off, and they'll hopefully find some kind of response and, and get back on track. Um, I think that's going to be key. It's how you pick yourself up from a, a resort and a performance like that and um, get back to what they were doing previously. I suppose the only other options, temps, would be maybe a Jader in midfield. I think Neil here mentions Cafu, who seems to have come back from the cold slightly, although it's a little bit chilly for him out there. And I think we've discussed Silver. Maybe he took Graben off, so I take he's not going to rest Graben. But are you uh, of the same opinion of Sarah? Just Spence is the only change probably? Yeah, exactly. That's the team he picked, and it's such an easy team talk. He just says to the boys, look, you've had one bad game in 16. I'm keeping faith with all of you. I'm forgiving individual mistakes because you've been trying to win games of football, playing positively. Go again, please, boys. And I think, you know, in the week, he'll take Finn back aside at some point and say, look, no shame there. Um, you've come in, done a job, analyse that game, see the things that you need to, to improve to, to get to where you, you, know, you, you need to be. Um, and I hope he doesn't feel downhearted or downbeat having been dropped. It's almost inevitable that he will be dropped um, because Jed Spence is coming and taking his place. He's been one of Forrest's players of the season. So, yeah, same team for me. I can tell you're a bigger Jada fan, actually, Matt. You want to see more of him, don't you? I am a bigger Jada fan, but I'm a big <laughs> Garner fan as well. I just wonder if you're a bit lightweight in midfield with the Jada and Garner. I think you have to have Yates and then do you drop Garner? I don't know. Maybe you play Garner. They've seen Garner as the advanced midfielder. Maybe you do that. I don't know. I don't know. One thing on um, back. I mean, if I was Cooper, I'm not telling Steve Cooper how to manage, obviously, because he's better than me. But I wonder if it's just, like you say, put an arm on him and say, actually, that's my fault. And, you know, I've thrown you to Wolves a bit there. You play in a slightly out of position. You've not played for months. 
But I think, I mean, he comes from that sporting mentality of his dad, doesn't he? He's probably tough enough to take it. And I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about him at all, uh, to, to be fair. Sarah, are you confident Forrest is going to get a result in this one? Yeah, I am. I think they'll. Um, I think they'll bounce back with a win. Um, I think, like um, Temp says, they've got the perfect motivation. Really, they were just so poor yesterday that it's it's there for them. It's you know, Steve Cooper's team talks done. Go out and and show that you're better than that. That's not who you are. Um, and yeah, I think they'll win. Um, I think they'll. We probably won't be comfortable because I think Huddersfield are, are, are a good team and um, Forest sometimes have a habit of making it difficult for themselves, but. I think they'll they'll come away with the three points and hopefully end end the year in um, in a good position and and then build on it in twenty twenty two. Just lastly, temps on probably it feels like a big game in terms of I think I put in our notes before I said this points on the board feels massive this year with the COVID situation. If Forest are going to have played twenty five games and others are going to have played twenty two potentially twenty one, they they do need to get something from this game against Huddersfield, don't they? <laughs> Yeah, points on the board all day because those having to rearrange fixtures will have congestion, which inevitably lead to picking teams that are subprime. And you can see if, if Forest were in a position where they had three, four games in seven, ten days towards the end of the season, that would not play to, to Lewis Grubbin's strengths. However, if we can um, get the games in and continue to you know ride our luck a bit with with the COVID cancellations, um, we could we could take advantage of that and potentially have a blank midweek when some of those around us are playing. So points on the board for sure. Glance at the table, two points behind Huddersfield, who are sixth. They're on 36. So a win for them. All of a sudden, the top five is, is five points away. A win for us, and we're in it. So, you know, I hate that six-pointer phrase, but this this one, this one is. Um, and look, the the form over the over the over the last month two months suggest we should win and i just hope we don't go into ourselves i hope we don't feel the need to you know go back to that old way of playing cagely on the break we're at home the form's been great um several players in in, in really good form middlesbrough aside let's get back on the front foot attack from the whistle and make this a, rout- a routine victory to get us back on track and break into the top six yeah, hopefully so. Get the ball to Johnson. The service to Johnson yesterday was absolutely horrific. Mm-hmm. We're getting the ball in the right areas and they'll do well. Right, I think we shall leave it there. Thanks as ever to everyone who's watched along and listened along and dropped some comments in for those of you watching on live. And as ever, if you've enjoyed this, do subscribe and give us a nice rating because it helps get eyeballs and ears on the podcast, which we appreciate. And thanks to everyone who's listened along throughout the year since this is probably our last podcast of the year. We do appreciate your support. Uh, Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you. And temps and family, thank you very much. Cheers, up. Merry Christmas. Yeah, sorry about all the crying in the background. He is a happy baby, I assure you. You just want to that. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> I won't call social services after this. That's what it's like. So, yeah, thanks for everyone who watched along. And we shall be back uh, early in the new year, most likely. Thanks very much. And we'll see you soon. <laughs>